to Trinity College Dublin Talks. With us today is Lindsay Walsh. She's a postgrad student in Trinity's Master's in Development Practice program. And in 2018, she won the Undergraduate Award in Earth and Environmental Sciences category. In 2019, she won the first ever Finance and Development Global Student Essay Contest. So basically, you're killing it. Uh, welcome to the <laughs> podcast, Lindsay. Thank you. Uh, so let's start with what got you interested in natural sciences and zoology in particular. Yeah, well, so originally I actually had Bess top of my <laughs> the CAO because my dad's in like business and um, having gone to like secondary school during the big economic crisis, financial crisis, everyone was like, oh, you just want to get employed. Like, that's why you go to university. You just want to get like a job out of it. And then I think like a week before, it's very cliche, but I was watching a David Attenborough documentary and I was like, oh my God, like I'd always loved biology. It was always my favorite subject. And I was suddenly like, oh no, this is what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna put it. It was like higher points as well. So I was like, maybe I won't get it. I'll just put it top. And then yeah, went into natural sciences and then specialized in zoology. And I think I've always loved animals. That's what got me in. But the more I learned about like conservation issues and like environmental threats, I realized to like make the biggest change you kind of want to go into the environmental like policy area that kind of like top-down effect basically um, and yes that's why I started the masters in development practice because it's kind of more holistic and yeah to make an impactful career basically um, I think I was drawn to science because I've always loved facts and for me like science is like the search for the truth um, yes that's why I was always drawn to it for that I think yeah, very good. Um, so speaking of searching for the truth, you were in uh, Mexico doing some research in, was it last year? No, so Mexico, um, that was part of my undergraduate dissertation. So I was researching bird abundance and diversity in a reserve in Mexico, a massive reserve that like borders Guatemala and Mexico. Um, yeah, so I got to spend six weeks there researching birds, doing cool mist netting where you like catch them and like literally hold them in your hands and do like morphometric measurements um, and doing like point counts as well. So looking at all the different species and like abundances there. And um, yeah, and I was more, I was in Peru most recently. That's with the masters, that was the masters research. That was on the sustainability of fisheries. So I was in like a tributary of the Amazon River. So that was very, very cool to be in. We got to walk through that forest and everything. Like it was absolutely amazing. Yeah, it yeah. sounds really exciting. Yeah, it was a great opportunity to have, yeah. So there's lots of ecotourism that happens in Central America and South America. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's helpful, helpful to the local economies or, or what, what are your thoughts on that? Um, I think it's definitely helpful. It's definitely helpful to the local economies. I know Costa Rica has made like a huge, like a huge amount of money off of it um, and I think it's doing it pretty well. Uh, Costa Rica is like always held up as like the best example of like ecotourism but I think you have to be wary with any kind of that like voluntourism you just mm -hmm. have to really do your research before because I think people go over with like the best intentions but you may end up doing more harm than good sometimes. If but you're I not qualified for a particular... Yeah, yeah exactly and I think there is like a level of I don't know, it's like strange this idea of like us like people from like very high income countries going over to these like low middle income countries and like this like assumption that we have all this expertise that we just because we come from those countries that we might not necessarily have mm -hmm. and I think 
I don't know, ecotourism projects that more like build up a local capacity are better than just bringing in people from the outside constantly. So yeah, there are like, definitely really good ones out there, but uh, I think you should be careful what you choose yeah. to do, definitely. Yeah. I've, d- I've done some myself and they were good, but then looking back, I'm like, oh, I don't know if I would ever do it again, if you know what I mean. Yeah. But yeah, Maybe ecotourism is, it's different from voluntourism, yeah. though, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. Well, I suppose ecotourism would be like, going to like national parks and like going on guided tours stuff like that i suppose yeah like as long as you like leave no trace and Mm -hmm. like you're contributing to the economy yeah i think it it can be good yeah definitely yeah but people should be wary about voluntourism yeah i think as well yeah just do do your research before i think yeah make good choices (laughs) Yeah. yeah okay so you created the trash to treasure event that trinity just had and i know it was a great success 90 percent of the items found new homes instead of going into landfills so tell us a little bit about that yeah so um it was me and another um trinity alumnus uh her name's kay cox and we are both in the Antashka climate ambassador program i don't know if you've heard about it but it basically is like all about raising climate awareness Mm -hmm. Um, and we went to a workshop and afterwards we just like had, we were talking about like clothing swap shops and we were like, wait, imagine you had one for like household items, like that'd be amazing. Um, and then we were like, oh, why not do it with Trinity? Like all the outgoing students, we would collect their items and the, at the end of the year and then store them over summer basically and then redistribute them to students, like current students, incoming students in the new year, which is what we did. Um, yeah, and it was a huge, huge success um, over... 450 cubic meters of waste was like diverted away from landfill which is like amazing so yeah I think it's yeah it, I was really happy with the initiative and yeah Michelle Hallahan the sustainability advisor for Trinity was so much help like so much support in it she really she really was very good with it um, and yeah so we got sustainability funding from the Provost Sustainability Initiative which I would recommend if anyone listens to this to definitely apply to um, so you can get up to 1500 euro for sustainability projects if you want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think it's open until like November. So yeah, okay, yeah, good. And you guys raised a lot of money as well, didn't you? So we can have it again next year. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the plan was to like not have it just be this once off thing, but to kind of like build the foundation that it can be like built on and like, so we only collected from Trinity Hall and campus this year, but like we were like, oh, why not go to like Cabinet Court? Um, go to like other student residences, just make it like build on it in the future and maybe even bring it to other universities eventually. But um, yeah, so it's like there for people to kind of like take over and build on next year. So the money that we made from it this year is going to go into basically doing it again next year. Yeah, yeah. great. So we're definitely trying to create a more sustainable campus here at Trinity, uh, getting rid of single use plastics, disposable coffee cups, teaching people to recycle properly greening our buildings, uh, there's the biodiversity plan, the pollinator plan, lots going on. From the student perspective, do you think we're doing enough? Are people aware of what we're doing? Um, I think, yeah, I think people are aware, especially, I think Trudy's pretty good on social media for like communicating about that and stuff. Yeah, there's definitely an awareness of what Trudy's doing, but I think there's always, there's always more that you could be doing, definitely. Um, I think the student body is like super aware and very passionate. Like you see that just even from the numbers that turned up to the climate march last Friday from Trinity, like the Trinity body for it was huge. Um, I think among the students there might be a feeling that uh, there's not 
as big a sense of urgency in like the actual like university structure as there is within the student body um, and that some things might be like almost paying lip service just to it to kind of like little things like the keep up scheme is amazing it's so good but um, I don't know I think there's definitely more that could be done. Sorry, this is the reusable coffee cup scheme where you can yeah. buy a cup. Just for people that don't know, you can buy it for a euro in the buttery and arson fiercig and then yeah. get your coffee and return the cup and get your deposit back. It yeah. just saves thousands and thousands of disposable coffee cups. Yeah. So sorry, go on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it is a brilliant uh, initiative. And like, I think these things are really important in this beginning to like kind of get that environmental consciousness into the student body and like the university itself but um, I don't know I think there's like a feeling that students are always the ones pushing for it like amazing that like Trinity divested from fossil fuels I think it was one of the first universities if not the first to divest from mm -hmm. fossil fuels um, but that was very much a push from the students um, and it's great to see that activism within the student body but it's also sometimes it'd be nice to see it coming from the top down rather than the students like constantly pushing for it perhaps, mm -hmm. I suppose, yeah. But no, Trinity is definitely good and, but even like, I don't know, things like maybe installing more solar panels within the university, things like that would be really good. Mm -hmm. Have you been on the roof of the new business school? No, I have not, I've, I've only walked by it. I've seen the green wall though, that's very yeah. cool, yeah. yeah. It's very cool. So oh. basically the roof of the building collects rainwater and they mm. use it to flush the toilets. Oh, unreal. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know about that. Anyway, fun fact for Yeah, that is very <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, okay, so your winning essay talks about tackling inequality by tackling climate change. With the climate strikes, the UN speeches, court mm. cases, do you think we're finally reaching a tipping point where we'll start, start to see real meaningful policy changes? Um, I think even in the past week, there's like, I don't know, a renewed sense of like urgency and a feeling of like, oh, maybe we can actually do this. Like, I'm seeing the amount of people that like went out to those climate protests. And I think there is more of a feeling amongst like politicians that, oh, like we do actually have to listen to this. Like this is a big thing and these people aren't going away. But whether we will see, I don't know. So yeah, the UN climate summit was this week. And they kind of like expected a lot of big policy commitments to be made from all like the G20 countries, but there was really not much. It was all like little commitments. I don't think China made, the US didn't even speak at it. Like it, they're like the second largest carbon emitter in the world. So was it like 30% or something? Um, I think they're, yeah, 30% of historical emissions. Yeah. Okay. So China's like leading emissions now, but that's for a variety of reasons. But um, yeah, they didn't, China didn't make any big commitments either. So I think, yeah, there's a lot of like perhaps greenwashing is one, the way I would put it in that they like make all the, they'll say all the right things and they'll talk at these summits and stuff, but like nothing actually gets done. So I think, yeah, there, there is like a renewed sense of urgency, but there needs, there needs to be more done. It needs to be a lot faster, basically. And it needs to be by those massive countries. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it needs to be collaborative in its approach. Because like one country doing amazing things for greenhouse gas emissions isn't going to solve it. It has to be everybody kind of doing their part. So yeah, that'll be, that'll be difficult to achieve. But I think, I think there is, among the younger generations, there's definitely like the push for it. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay.
maybe with the next U.S. election, we will see. Hopefully, well, like, yeah. Well, the Democratic candidates are really pushing for like climate change is a big part of their strategies and like their the platform that they're running on. So hopefully, Bernie yeah. Sanders, Elizabeth Warren's pretty good for yeah. it as well. Yeah, yeah. And Kamala Harris. Yeah, there's a few. There's a few who are do seem to be like really pushing for big structural changes, which is what you would need. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Well, there's hope. <laughs> Um, so, what do you think climate activists should focus on? Um, well, I think the biggest thing is keep momentum going. Like there is the momentum there now, but it's, it's so easy to like just drop away, and that's what politicians are basically hoping for. And governments are kind of like, oh, we hope this goes away. But if people keep pushing and people keep doing these marches or like writing to their local councils and. Um, pushing for like more sustainable products and everything like as a consumer you do on mass we have like a lot of power with our money on what we choose to buy so I think yeah there are like little changes you can keep going with but also it's, it's that need for collective action I think that's the big big thing that needs we need to keep going with um, but yeah do you mean like policies or what no I suppose just in general yeah um, yeah, putting pressure on businesses, putting pressure on government, um, yeah, and like making, maybe making those like, you can make those personal lifestyle changes like cutting down on meat and um, maybe just not buying as much stuff and when you do buy, buy sustainably, uh, buy locally, yeah, mm -hmm. so yeah, there are lots of little things you can do but yeah, it's putting pressure on governments and business, I think it's going to make the biggest yes. change, yeah. And voting. And voting, yeah. yes, the power of the vote. I think our generation has become very disillusioned with politics in a way, but there is, with like the Greens getting in to the European uh, European elections last summer, stuff like that, Like we're, I think we're seeing like, oh, your vote really does make a difference. And obviously mm -hmm. with Brexit and Trump, <laughs> people can see that, yeah, yes. you do need to get out and vote. Yeah, absolutely. You're in America, register to vote. No. Yes, absolutely, yeah. <laughs> Okay, so, so on the talk of politics, if you were Taoiseach now, what would you do? Well, that's a, that's <laughs> a big question. Um, well, if I was Taoiseach, the Green Party would be a government. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I agree with pretty much most of the Green Party policies in that they really think that environmental issues and social issues kind of go hand in hand, which I would definitely agree with. Like you see with the Green New Deal, by Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez. I think Bernie Sanders is going on Green New Deal as well. Um, yeah, they're really interlinking this idea of like, yeah, we need environmental changes. We also need like healthcare, education, those kind of changes. Um, so, so policies that I put in, um, firstly, no more licenses for oil and gas exploration. I know Leo made a commitment, but it was like phasing it out. Whereas like we need to stop issuing them now if we want to make a difference to our climate footprint. Um, another interesting area I think is rewilding. I don't know if you've heard of it, but it's basically like leaving a landscape to like rewild and go back to what it would be naturally mm -hmm. with like no human interference. It's very big in like Scotland. Um, but yeah, I think rewilding is an initiative we can definitely get on. I mean, you go to the west of Ireland and you see like these like denuded landscapes, like no trees. And you're like, oh, this is not like the way it should be. It's just so unnatural. I think this, yeah. So I think more rewilding, yeah, more biodiversity, more green spaces. I think 
Ireland obviously has like a part to play in cutting greenhouse gas emissions and everything, but we're, we are quite small comparatively. And obviously, yeah, like our meat and dairy sector needs to be <laughs> changed definitely to cut down on our emissions. But um, yeah, I think we can do a lot in like rewilding stuff and planting like native broadleaf trees instead of like these massive conifer plantations that mm -hmm. you do see, which are not good for biodiversity. Um, yeah, and yeah, if I was Taoiseach, hugely improved transport <laughs> with Dublin. That's a huge part though. Like it's so hard to be like sustainable if you feel like, if you can't get to places easily, like of course you're gonna like try and drive or, you know, it's so much easier. But if we have like a proper transport system in Dublin, like it needs to be improved, definitely. Public transport, better cycleways, absolutely. Like mm -hmm. we can learn a thing or two from the Netherlands. But um, yeah, and then obviously housing. And I sit around, I hate, my dad is a tax man, so he would hate me saying this, but um, increasing taxes definitely as well in certain areas, like inheritance taxes, um, new land ownership taxes, I think, to help solve housing crisis, yeah. Mm -hmm. Lots of lots of new policies that could be implemented, definitely. Yeah. yeah, and ramping up renewables and yeah, lots to be done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, so I mean, we touched on a lot of this, but what do you think listeners should do to play their part? Say, if they're not climate activists, they're not in the field, but just everyday little things that you think people can do. Well, uh, well, the biggest thing that's been shown is yeah, cutting your meat intake, particularly red meat, so cows. Um, also cutting dairy, which I myself could do better on this. I'm vegetarian, but I'm not not quite vegan yet. Um, but yeah, cows are a huge problem in Ireland. That's a massive contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. But yeah, you don't have to be a climate activist to make this big difference. I understand that like a lot of people wouldn't be comfortable, like maybe even going to those marches, or they don't want to like you know make these huge changes. But yeah, you can do little things like just researching what you buy and trying to make it more sustainable and I think the biggest thing is actually just cutting down consumption in general. I mean, mm -hmm. it's very like neoliberal to just be like, oh, I'll just swap this thing for like a more sustainable thing. It's like, oh, just maybe just cut out. You don't need, you don't need those new clothes. You don't need those, like that new bag or, you know, just I'm making, like making good purchases, I think is a way you go that you don't need to keep like replacing things or even just like repairing items instead of, getting them, getting a new thing, like say your iPhone breaks, it's like, or your battery goes really bad, you're like, oh, I'll just buy a whole new phone. Like, there's actually a company called Fairphone, they're a startup, they're a Scandinavian startup, and they, um, basically they're modular, so like you can take them apart and you can like send the battery away and get a new one, things like that, so it's like really, it's made to last for ages. And it, um, it has like really transparent supply chain and stuff, so it's like all the minerals are non-conflict minerals, um, so when my, I've had my iPhone for three and a half years now, and um, so when this breaks, I'm gonna I'm gonna go to the Fairphone. Fairphone, yeah, really they're cool. they're really cool. Yeah, one of my friends has one, um, and you can just get them online. Yeah, um, so like uh, yeah, just little things like that. It does not have to be amazing, but like even like your keep cup and your reusable water bottle, reusable water Stop bottle, plastic water bottles. Yeah, absolutely. Just this things like that, like because especially like plastic. I think Ireland's like one of the worst in Europe for plastic waste per person. So yeah, things like that. And just even one thing I have, a trend I've seen is that people get a keep cup. Like they'll buy multiple keep cups, which is so bizarre to me. But it's like. A trendy thing that they're like, oh, I want, like this one's really like pretty. I'm gonna get this one as well. And you're like, 
it just defeats the whole purpose of the cute cup. Yeah, you're if like you have fifty of them. I know exactly. Yeah, I think I read somewhere that like those tote bags, you need like three hundred uses of them to like replace a plastic bag. And your keep cup, I think if it's if it's like a travel mug, like the steel ones, it's like you need like a thousand uses or something crazy for it to like make up the difference between just getting those reasonable the plastic cups. So yeah, if you're gonna get it, like actually use it and just get your one and yes. yeah, just making those getting those products that you can just keep that are like really long have long lives basically. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Great. Yeah. Thanks very much, Lindsay, for having You're me on. Very, yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Yeah. <laughs>